Long History, Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 5, Blood and Revenge. Hello everyone and welcome to Long History. This is the place where we take historic source documents and split them up into digestible chunks of around 10 minutes. We give you the full, unedited history from people who took part in the events themselves. We've covered documents by many explorers, including Francis Drake, Walter Raleigh, Magellan, Columbus and others. So when you finish this episode, please do explore long history. And this is the 21st episode now of 25 in total about Henry Hudson. There have already been three journeys and this is the fourth. And we're well into this journey now and it's getting serious. The crew have reached Hudson Bay, the place named after the famous explorer, but have been forced to endure a winter in the Canadian Arctic. The crew began to question whether they would ever have food enough to return home and stuck on a boat in the frozen north, the disagreements began, particularly focusing on a man called Henry Green, who had, it seems, been brought along as an unofficial member of the crew. Initially, he's perceived as a favourite of Henry Hudson, but when they fall out, the resentments build up. As this episode begins, hope seems to arrive with the appearance of a local person. However, with those hopes soon dashed, Hudson's attempts to maintain the peace and to find steady supplies of food become increasingly desperate. This is Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 5, Blood and Revenge. About this time, when the ice began to breathe out of the bays, there came a savage to our ship, as it were to see and to be seen, being the first that we had seen in all this time, whom my master entreated well and made much of him promising unto himself great matters by his means, and therefore would have all the knives and hatchets, which any man had, to his private use. But received none, but from John King the carpenter and myself. To this savage, our master gave a knife, a looking-glass and buttons, who received them thankfully, and made signs that after he had slept, he would come again, which he did. When he came, he brought with him a sled which he drew after him, and upon it two deer skins and two beaver skins. He had a scrip under his arm, out of which he drew those things which the master had given him. He took the knife and laid it upon one of the beaver skins, and his glasses and buttons upon the other, and so gave them to the master, who received them. And the savage took those things which the master had given him, and put them up into his scrip again. Then the master showed him an hatchet, for which he would have given the master one of his deer skins, but our master would have them both, and so he had, although not willingly. After many signs of people to the north and to the south, and that after so many sleeps he would come again, he went his way, but never came more. Now, the ice being out of the sounds, so that our boat might go from one place unto another, a company of men were appointed by the master to go a-fishing with our net. Their names were as followeth. William Wilson, Henry Green, Michael Purse, John Thomas, Andrew Motor, Bennett Matthews, and Arnold Ludlow. These men, the first day they went, caught five hundred fish, as big as good herrings and some trouts, which put us all in some hope to have our wants supplied and our commons amended. 
but these were the most that ever they got in one day. For many days they got not a quarter so many. In this time of their fishing, Henry Green and William Wilson, with some others, plotted to take the net and the shallop which the carpenter had now set up, and so to shift for themselves. But, the shallop being ready, my master would go in it himself to the south and south-west to see if he could meet with the people. For, to that end it was set up, and, that way, we might see the wood set on fire by them. So the master took the seine and the shallop, and so much victual as would serve for eight or nine days, and to the south he went. They that remained aboard were to take in water, wood and ballast, and to have all things in a readiness against he came back. But he set no time for his return, for he was persuaded, if he could meet with the people, he should have flesh of them, and that good store. But he returned worse than he went forth, for he could by no means meet with the people, although they were near them, yet they would set the woods on fire in his sight. Being returned, he fitted all things for his return, and first delivered all the bread out of the bread-room, which came to a pound apiece for every man's share, and delivered also a bill of return, willing them to have that to show, if it pleased God that they came home. And he wept when he gave it unto them. But to help us in this poor estate with some relief, the boat and seine went to work on Friday morning and stayed till Sunday noon, at which time they came aboard and brought fourscore small fish, a poor relief for so many hungry bellies. Then we weighed and stood out of our wintering place and came to an anchor without, in the mouth of the bay. From whence we weighed and came to an anchor without in the sea, where our bread being gone, that store of cheese we had was to stop a gap, whereof there were five, whereat the company grudged, because they made account of nine. But those that were left were equally divided by the master, although he had counsel to the contrary, for there were some who having it would make haste to be rid thereof, because they could not govern it. I knew, when Henry Green gave half his bread, which he had for fourteen days to want to keep, and prayed him not to let him have any until the next Monday, but before Wednesday at night he never left till he had it again, having eaten up his first week's bread before. So Wilson the Botswain hath eaten in one day his fortnight's bread, and hath been two or three days sick for his labour. The cause that moved the master to deliver all the cheese was because they were not all of one goodness, and therefore they should see that they had no wrong done them, but every man should have alike the best and the worst together, which was three pounds and a half for seven days. The wind serving, we weighed and stood to the northwest, and on Monday at night, the 18th day of June, we fell into the ice, and the next day, the wind being at west, we lay there till Sunday in sight of land. Now, being here, the master told Nicholas Sims that there would be a breaking up of chests and a search for bread, and willed him, if he had any, to bring it to him, which he did, and delivered to the master thirty cakes in a bag. This deed of the master, if it be true, 
hath made me marvel what should be the reason that he did not stop the breach in the beginning, but let it grow to that height, as that it overthrew himself and many other honest men. But there are many devices in the heart of man, but the counsel of the Lord shall stand. Being thus in the ice, on Saturday the 1 and 20th of June, at night, Wilson the Botswain and Henry Green came to me lying in my cabin lame and told me that they and the rest of their associates would shift the company and turn the master and all the sick men into the shallop and let them shift for themselves. For there was not fourteen days victual left for all the company and that poor allowance they were at and that there they lay, the master not caring to go one way or other and that they had not eaten anything these three days, and therefore were resolute, either to mend or end, and what they had begun, they would go through with it, or die. When I heard this, I told them I marvelled to hear so much from them, considering that they were married men, and had wives and children, and that, for their sakes, they should not commit so foul a thing in the sight of God and man as that would be. For why should they banish themselves from their native country? Henry Green bade me hold my peace, for he knew the worst, which was to be hanged when he came home, and therefore, of the two, he would rather be hanged at home than starved abroad. And for the good will they bear me, they would have me stay in the ship. I gave them thanks, and told them that I came into her not to forsake her, yet not to hurt myself and others by any such deed. Henry Green told me then that I must take my fortune in the shallop. If there be no remedy, said I, the will of God be done. Away went Henry Green in a rage, swearing, to cut his throat that went about to disturb them, and left Wilson by me with whom I had some talk, but to no good, for he was so persuaded that there was no remedy now but to go while it was hot, lest their party should fail them and the mischiefs they had intended to others should light on themselves. Henry Green came again and demanded of him what I said. Wilson answered, He is in his old song still patient. Then I spake to Henry Green to stay three days, in which time I would so deal with the master that all should be well. So I dealt with him to forbear but two days, nay, twelve hours. There is no way then, say they, but out of hand. Then I told them that if they would stay till Monday, I would join with them to share all the victuals in the ship, and would justify it when I came home, but this would not serve their turns. Wherefore I told them, it was some worse matter they had in hand than they made show of, and that it was blood and revenge he sought, or else he would not at such a time of night undertake such a deed. Henry Green, with that, taketh my Bible which lay before me, and swear that he would do no man harm, and what he did was for the good of the voyage and for nothing else, and that all the rest should do the like. The like did Wilson swear. Henry Green went his way, and presently came Jewett, who, because he was an ancient man, I hoped to have found some reason in him, but he was worse than Henry Green, 
for he swore plainly that he would justify this deed when he came home. After him came John Thomas and Michael Purse as birds of one feather, but because they are not living, I will let them go as then I did. Then came Motor and Bennet, of whom I demanded if they were well advised what they had taken in hand. They answered, they were, and therefore came to take their oath. Now, because I am much condemned for this oath, as one of them that plotted with them, and that by an oath I should bind them together to perform what they had begun, I thought good here to set down to the view of all how well their oath and deeds agreed. And thus it was. You shall swear truth to God, your prince and country. You shall do nothing. But to the glory of God and the good of the action in hand and harm to no man. This was the oath, without adding or diminishing. So at this point the men appear to be leaving Hudson Bay. They've wintered in the area of the bay. The food has been in short supply, but there was enough just to survive. But they know that there is not enough food on the ship for all the men to be able to survive the journey across the Atlantic. I guess Henry Hudson didn't help himself when he took a boat and as the text says, so much victual as would serve for eight or nine days, and then disappeared to leave the men to come up with their own plots. At this point, it's interesting to remember that a man called Abercock Pritchard wrote this document, and he said in a previous episode, I will, by the leave of God, deliver the truth as near as I can. It's only in this episode, however, where we see why he needs to make that statement, why he needs to be so emphatic about he is telling the truth. And it's perhaps told in the quote here. Henry Green bade me hold my bees, for he knew the worst, which was to be hanged when he came home, and therefore, of the two, he would rather be hanged at home than starved abroad. So the writer of this document, Abercook Bridget, knows that if he exposes himself as being one of the mutineers here, he could be punished back in England for his actions. So we see how Bridget here somewhat ties himself in knots, writing a story in which he makes clear that he was very reluctant to take part in events and even made the men swear not to be violent. In this desperate situation, he works hard to portray himself in the best light. And as we'll see in later episodes, there will be few people left to contradict his story. Thank you for listening everyone to the latest episode of Long History. There's only four episodes to go now in this series, so don't forget to subscribe before you move on. I think it's become pretty clear what's going to happen in the next episode. But will it be a bloody rebellion? Or will the men follow that oath to harm no man as they overtake the ship? Please, if you've got to this point in the episode, do give it a like and share it with any like-minded people if you can. That would be much appreciated. This was Henry Hudson, Voyage 4. Part 5, Blood and Revenge. Goodbye.